Welcome, everybody, to the 40th edition of Hoops Up and Down podcast featuring Bajek and Brown. We thank you for joining us live here on Anchor.fm. Uh, I'm Theo B. I'm always joined by the host with the most, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Mr. Bob Bajek. Join us all the way live from the middle of America. How you doing this afternoon, Bob? I'm doing great, Theus. What up, BNB Nation? I'm excited to talk All Star Game. All Star All Star Weekend. We're on at the tail end of All Star Weekend. Definitely an action packed episode. Ready, getting ready to head into the second half uh, of the NBA season. Bob, for our audience here at Anchor.fm and ourselves, I'm going to recap the exciting uh, highlights from All Star Weekend, and also kind of get into uh, what are what we expect for the second half. Maybe some of the teams that are right outside the playoffs who will make a playoff push. Uh, maybe some of the teams that might disappoint us in the second half. Some teams that start off hot that might go the other way. Also, we'll get into some of the, the news around the association uh, for our audience here today. Uh, talk about, of course, a former All-Star who signed with a perennial uh, contender, championship contender uh, yesterday. And also a few other big names who may be on the move soon. Uh, definitely will delve into a little bit of the college hoop scene. Of course, it's our favorite time of year along with our audience, Bob. It's March Madness, so we'll get into that a little bit. And also uh, uh, our viewer questions as well. Uh, and, Bob, of course, as you mentioned earlier, uh, we just came off the uh, star-studded All-Star Weekend. Kind of kind of a different format. Uh, not sure. Did, were you in appreciation or did you enjoy having all the events on one day? Or will you kind of be excited more for next year when it goes out over the whole weekend? It, it worked for this time, and I think it was good to have the compressed. The, the drawback, you don't have fans, so you don't get the good reactions. You don't have – I mean, when it's condensed like that, maybe certain people won't be able to compete because – like for a dunk contest, if you want an all-star to do it, he's not going to do it unless he has like way reduced minutes for the game. So, I mean, it, it, I think it takes away some of the opportunities for some of the players. Like, I mean, some of the guys did it for skills or three because that's not as uh, strenuous. But, I mean, something for the dunk contest. Or we didn't have the Futures game, which I think is a great new addition they've had for the best first and second year players. Um, I kind of miss the Futures. I could understand why they wanted to limit that. Um, no, the All-Star game was great. I mean, if you wanted if you wanted dunks, alley-oops, uh, threes, Giannis going nuts because he made five shots. I'm like, that guy's probably your MVP and a bore out. But, um, I mean, I thought it was a success. The, the one disappointing thing is yeah. you've, I think injuries derailed it to a point because people want to see AD and KD both are injured. And then we have that weird thing where both um, – Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you know, couldn't play, unfortunately. Um, I did think Sabonis um, as a fill-in played fantastic. Uh, Mike Conley, uh, your guy, finally yeah. got an all-star. You know, he did great in the three. He almost took down Steph. But, you know, he, he did that jump ball thing with Chris Paul, which was very interesting. I loved that. Um, I mean, I thought it was a great game. What, what did you think? Yeah, overall, I think that, you know, of course we – I think I kind of like it when it's kind of spread out a little bit more. As you mentioned, you can give us more people an opportunity if they, you know, if they have other obligations in life, they can't, you know, that they're using, it seems like they have the 
Futures game on Friday night, or they used to have a celebrity game, and then the competitions on Saturday and the game on Sunday. It's kind of interesting, though, you, you mentioned, though, too, is that in the past, though, they used to have all the events on one day, and that didn't stop the superstars still from entering the dunk contest at noon. Like, you know, in Chicago, they had Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan, all those events were at noon, and then the players would come back and have the game at five. So it, it just kind of one of those things, kind of, we won't get into that, but it's kind of the old adage where these guys keep saying that they need more rest, rest, rest. But again, in the summer, we see them playing every day and, you know, uh, pick up games and things of that nature. So I, I think it, it was nice for some people to have it on one day. Um, and I guess we'll start out too, I guess, but the first thing we saw, you know, you mentioned that we had some, a lot of good selections for the futures game. And of course that would have been nice to see the first and second year players play. Uh, and were you surprised? Uh, did you take Sabonis to win the first event, the skills competition? Or did you have anybody else winning? No, when, when I was watching it and the funny thing was uh, <laughs> our, our listeners would love this. So I, I saw the, the game, the dunk contest live, but, um, this morning, or actually um, on Monday, I watched the skills competition at three without knowing. Well, I knew Steph one because they talked about it, but they didn't talk about the skills. I saw the field, and I'm like, you know, I think Chris Paul's got this. So yeah. <laughs> I, I was a little wrong. You know, Chris Paul was kind of sloppy. You know, maybe maybe he had a lot of things on his mind. I know he had the game to play. But, yeah, no, Sabonis looked very good. I mean, it's kind of funny that him and Vucevic – um, our big men, and they were the finalists. It, it's kind of interesting seeing the guys who excel being big men, and I kind of wrote about it last year on the basketball writers. You know, to to be effective, you you have to know how to dribble, pass, and shoot, and these guys can do it. Yeah, it's kind of maybe a prerequisite to how the game is being played now is that, of course, the bigger men are becoming more skilled and skilled. And uh, I, I was actually wrong in my prediction. I think I actually went with the uh, – I picked Robert Covington for some reason. I thought he may have a good showing. Um, and then, of course, as, as you mentioned, too, in, in the three-point shootout, I know you were probably happy with your guy, Steph Curry, getting his uh, second uh, second three-point crown and his seven tries. And, that, and that's something I always thought was interesting, too, and our audience has probably noticed over the years is that, you know, you can have, the like, Steph and Reggie Miller and Larry Bird, but it's not always the greatest shooter that wins it. You know, sometimes it's – just a player that gets hot at that moment. Uh, did you have any other? I was, certainly, we saw a great uh, performance by the lefty Mike Conley. He would have been the first left-hander I think to ever win. He shot the ball very well and uh, good performances by other guys in, in the competition as well. It was and that's become almost the highlight of the the skills competitions. Is a three-point shootout because you have the, you know the big names that get involved in it. What were you impressed by uh, Steph's performance there? Almost going perfect. That that and that and Connolly like Connolly got a twenty eight and I think Steph was you know he he missed a lot on the first one out of the six or seven stations that they had where you're like oh Connolly might get it he he's got to get hot and he he eventually got thirty one in that round Connolly had twenty eight but I thought Connolly shot well um, the the first time Tatum shot well but then he kind of had a a hard second round, but you know, Tatum's really good at post and mid range and he's an above average three guy, but he's not like a guy you always want to chuck threes. Um, it, it, it was really fun to me. I mean, it was interesting seeing Zach Levine because he's won a couple dunk contests, but he's worked a lot on his three shot. He's become, he's become a good shooter. I think from three and you know, if he would win that, he'd probably be the only guy to win a dunk and a three. So I think that's what he's trying to go for. Um, 
Yeah, you're I, right on, Bob. That too. That that was interesting because they they did speak about that during the broadcast. Is that also uh, Donovan Mitchell had you know where he won a dunk contest. So if either one of Levine or Mitchell won the shootout, that would have been the first to uh, win both. Uh, it's kind of a fun fact that the uh, everybody knows Kenny Smith. I think he is he and Damian Lillard are still the only two people uh, to compete in both events on the same night. So that was always interesting. He did one. You talk about you mentioned people's legs earlier, but Kenny Smith did the three point contest, and then immediately after did the dunk contest. And so did Damian Lillard, I think, in two thousand fifteen or fourteen. Yeah, well, and the the interesting thing about Dame is that his range. Sometimes I wonder if his range is even further than Steph's. And I know both of them were trading half court shots or close to it, but uh, it's just amazing just how much range these guys have with, with, with the game or the three competition, because I'm sure these score, these scores are higher. Um, you know, if, if they're missing some shots, they can course correct. And it seems like, especially if they had the bonus ball, whether it was two or three points, they try, right, they right. try to make it to make sure it's just like, yeah, I missed some, but I could get some points on the back end, which a lot of the guys did. Um, it, it, I just thought it was a great showing. I mean, the skills competition was really fun you know like some some of the races were pretty close and uh it's just it's great to see i mean it's just interesting like i wonder when the last time a guard won because i think what the last three or four years the big men have won i, I believe that's right yeah and that's that's especially in that skills competition um but why it's very interesting the first time you think is it just because the taller guys might have longer strides to maybe outrace them or or are they just better shooters than guards now? Like, why do you think guards are losing all the time now? You know, I think it's just, a, you know, a fun event. And I think that in that case, I think maybe the big men, like you said, maybe have more motivation in a fun way in that sense. Mm. I think a lot of times in those events, it just, again, like Reggie Miller was saying about the shooting and, you know, other NBA players have said about the dunks. You, you may have a guy that is more creative or, someone that jumps higher, like you said, Chris Paul should win that event or Dame Litter, but it, it is kind of in the moment, you know, whoever catches their rhythm, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure, sure. It seems like it's more about a rhythm. And uh, if you're kind of, especially with no crowd, it had to be more difficult. You don't have that, you know, the, the crowd cheering you on or, or trying to get you through the event or letting you know, like Steph was saying in the contest, how many he needed to hit or make. So I think it's more just kind of like a rhythm thing and in the moment. Definitely. But a lot of people, but and, and I think a lot of people, Bob, they were – I think some people did enjoy having the dunk contest at halftime of the regular game. Uh, of course, unfortunately, we didn't have – and I, I think I think a thing, too, that a lot of our audience here at Anchor.fm and the crowd maybe didn't know I want to kind of relay that to them is that, yes, we had Obi Toppin, you know, who was a lottery pick for the Knicks, and Anthony Simons, a, a young second-round uh, uh, – second-year player, excuse me, and also uh, a Duke Blue Devil Cassius Stanley in the event. But the NBA did reach out to a number of young and upcoming stars. And I think that they I think that was kind of a misconception is that the people saw the event and said, man, there's only three guys. But they actually uh, the event was declined from Zion Williamson, from John Morant. Uh, they asked the number one pick this year, Anthony Edwards, uh, the Lakers, Alex Caruso, what turned him down. Donovan Mitchell, do Brown. So that- why don't you think people don't want to do this? Because that's. That's something. I know the three's taken over. I'm all Steph Maniac. I, I like a lot of the shooters. But, like, when I think All-Star Weekend, I think dunk contest. So why are these guys so scared? Are they, are they scared or do they think they can get injured? Why, why don't you think they want to do this? 
you know, uh, speaking on that fact, it's, it's kind of interesting that they've had the dunk contest since 1984, over 35 years, and it's never been reported, at least, or logistically, that not one player has ever gotten hurt in the dunk contest. So I think that is an excuse that's kind of a non-argument. I think that, again, I, I don't know if it's – and this year, I guess you can say, because of the poor planning from the NBA, mm-hmm. that they kind of, you know, Adam Silver and the – the upper management kind of threw the salsa game together after they told the players it would not be a game and not be a weekend. Uh, but overall, I think, of course, after the last few years, a lot of the bigger names have not gotten in it. And I think that, you know, like you said, the different, different people, there might be different cases. I think for the younger players, it kind of behooves me that they always say, oh, I, I fell in love with the game because I saw Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan, uh, the Kobe Bryants, these people that drew you to watching this all-star weekend. But then, when you get to that platform yourself, you don't, you're not involved in it. Design Williamson's don't want to be involved or the, uh, but I, I think, you know, too, maybe it's a thing where they should maybe make more incentive, you know, uh, maybe like Jeff and Gunny and Maddie Johnson have said years ago, uh, make it, make it more prize money, make the prize money, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. And the NBA can then in exchange, uh, donate that to charity to the HBCUs as they did a, a fantastic job, I thought, over that weekend with recognizing the historically black colleges, uh, not only there in Atlanta, but throughout the, the country and having, you know, some of the more of the prominent celebrities and athletes like Common, uh, Camilla Harris, uh, different people in the Hollywood and athletics represent Florida A&M. Of course, the great reporter Pam Oliver uh, just speak about their experiences at the historically black colleges and what that meant for their education and their careers. Uh, but to, to get to that point, Bob, I think with the dunk contest, it's just simply they have to uh, kind of reinvent the wheel with it. I think if, if they did a good job of taking away the props and just make it about skill, make it about artistry and athleticism and let the guys dunk. I think they need to have a bigger field and kind of go back to what they used to do. If you have eight guys or 10 guys in it, just like the dunk contest, and then just, you know, make their time limit and just no props, no teammates. Uh, let them do what they have to do and, and see how it turns out. Uh, Bob, I think in in the actual game, I, you know, a lot of it has, has been made about the attempt of three-pointers. I know you were just making that point. Uh, 144 three-pointers taken. Wow. <laughs> uh, which to me kind of kind of took away the took away the the fair of the game. I mean, you can't even and in the past, you know, kind of you want to bring in an element of, okay, I want to see Kyrie Irving against, you know, Chris Paul. I want to see them guard each other. But at, at, at that point, when we got guys launching 153s, nobody's even – you can't even guard anybody. You're not even going to see anybody get dunked on, you know, or, or Rudy Gobert try to block a LeBron James oh, in that instance. I, I, mean, I was disappointed. What did you, you feel about the lack of action? Oh, I, I was disappointed with um, – you know, I love blocking. Uh, that's one of the things that got me into basketball, just seeing – you know, when, when, when I was younger in the mid-'90s, early 2000s, we had some great shock blockers. You had Shaq, uh, Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing. Dikembe Mutombo, uh, Alonzo Mourning, and s- some other guys. You know, Scottie Pippen and Jordan could block here and there. I know, I know they were shorter guys, but uh, just not having the fear when someone's going to the rim, that's just exciting. And you're right, having guys like um, Gobert, you know, Diamantis Sabonis is actually a pretty good shot blocker, even though it's not talked about. Uh, LeBron is great chase down block. Um, but but who 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 did you who did you want to see like as far as like I, I'm saying I guess in that instance is like in that game, I'm saying is that like, do you think that took away from well I mean I from some of the, 
excitement, like guys guarding each other, or guys, okay. you know, well, I mean, maybe a, two guys defending each other. Well, I really liked, um, I think I mentioned earlier, having Conley and um, Chris Paul, that might be like one of the shortest jump balls in NBA history. That was exciting. <laughs> that was kind of quirky. It was fun. Uh, Chris Paul doesn't know how to do it because he had like three faults, but maybe he was just goofing around. Um sure. It, I I really thought it was fun when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I think, had the right idea. They went af- after each other about three or four times, and I noticed that. I thought it was great. Um, those two guys are like iron sharpening iron on, on that Celtics team. Uh, if they're going to have any chance for a title, those two guys have to be great. I really like that, but I agree with you. You know, like maybe LeBron should have tried to go after some of these guys. Um, you know, maybe some of the competition again, we've had, there were a ton of injuries. Like I, I even saw Devin, I thought Devin Booker was on the thing, but he got injured and Conley replaced him. Um, I, I, I do think the, uh, 76ers guys really liked the all-star game and they would have probably gone against each other or, um, so well, yeah, I, I, I guess about what, I, what I'm asking in general, I guess it's not about who was there and who was not. I'm just saying, do you think that the amount of three pointers taken takes away from the competition? I mean, like a you mentioned, I, mean, I, I think a little bit. I mean, you, you want to see Steph and Dame shoot threes, and they, they did a really good job. But, yeah, I mean, some guys turned out as skilled as three were doing it. Though um, I did like, you know, people trying to push the pace sometimes. Uh, you had um, people doing a lot of alley-oops, which was fun, so I did enjoy that. But it, it did take away some. I mean, you didn't really see – that much half court though. I think they want to run the floor, but I did think people were just chucking a lot of threes. And um, again, Steph and Dane made enough where that entertained me, but like Kyrie was kind of off and some of the other guys, but yeah, it does. I mean, you want to see some mid range. There was barely any mid range in the game. Hey folks, we want to thank you again for listening to the hoops up and down podcast with Bejic and Brown uh, live here on anchor.fm. And we're, we're simply recasting or reviewing the All-Star Weekend. Uh, that was the 70, I think it was the 70th, actually, All-Star Game overall. Uh, but, Bob, too, and I, I think that's the thing, Bob. I think a lot of purists growing up, of course, we don't can take into account that defense thing is, is an All-Star Game. You know, we don't – that's kind of a lazy take when people say, oh, there's no defense. But, of course, there's no defense in any All-Star Game, whether it be the Pro Bowl or MLB. But I think when people grew up watching – you know, the Isaiah Thomases and Magic Johnsons, the Larry Birds in the All-Star games, they grew up knowing that these guys only had, you know, a minimal amounts of time playing against each other per year. And they competed in those games in the 80s and the 90s, not only just enough, not just a fourth quarter, but they played defense, defense on each other for the majority of the game, or at least competed and made mm-hmm. it look entertaining. So I think that element, what we were trying to get to was lost as far as even other highlights. You want to see other highlights besides guys just launching to 30 feet it, it gets yeah it's, it's fun to see a guy make a three from 30 from the logo but after that i mean there's no effect to it sure I mean, we know that they're able to do that steph and dame and they do that even in playoff games but to the simple fact that you want to see all elements of the game you want to see you know other other high flyers catch our youths tatum levine uh you, you didn't you didn't see any of that in this all-star game which was disappointing to some of the fans but we had uh, hopefully during after this. No, would you say that, Theus? There was some good passing in the game. I mean, you put the assists together. There were 93, and uh, Chris Paul had 16 assists. Or you look at Kyrie, he had 12, and uh, Kawhi had eight. Tatum had seven. So some guys are dishing it pretty well. I mean, Steph had a great 
most most of, the, most of those assists are on three point shots. I mean, again, you of course we like you mentioned you saw the you know the unexpected alley from Steph Curry and yeah, Chris Paul kind of two hand alley oop. But that's a, I, I think in general, that's right. The, and you don't have short guys doing that. And both both Steph and Chris Paul. I mean, I was. I was laughing and excited. I mean, it was they were trying to do some showmanship. But do you remember when Steph was pushing transition? He went through a guy or two, and then Jokic got like a, it was like a behind the back or a behind the back bounce, and then he caught a perfect and laid it in. That that was a pretty good play. Do you remember that? I think it was first quarter. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and that that was one of the highlights of the you know the first half. And I think if we would have just saw more of that, you know, like I said. If, I guess a lot of I'm listening to a lot of people on, you know, our uh, listeners on social media and this other podcast. People wanted to see more, more action. You know, there's no action in guys just, I guess I'm uh, in close when I'm trying to say it, just launching threes. When they see an all, you know, people getting crossed over, they want to see guys challenging guys at the rim. They want to see more of the, uh, more of an arrow act. And I think a lot of people were disappointed by that. Um, Do you and think even like, like is that the post players were were injured or in protocol because if you think about it Embiid, Simmons, AD they're great post players like I know Zion's a great post player and I think Sabonis is but if we had more post guys you think they would have tried to showcase that more but I mean Giannis is also a post guy but he was just dunking again I love seeing his dunks but you know you didn't see him like backing somebody down really Sure, yeah, and, and he did a great job, you know, having a perfect day from the field, shooting 16 to 16, uh, being the MVP. But, no, it, I don't think that really mattered as far as the, the big guys being out there. You know, you see traditionally Embiid is usually on the outside, and also Anthony Davis is a guy that, you know, kind of shies away from contact in the paint anyway. He shoots a lot of fadeaways, so he probably yeah. would have done a lot more of the same. Um, and even even at the, the cutback, I know we kind of skipped over the dunk contest. Um, you know, of course, congratulations to Anthony Simons the of the Portland Trailblazers in Rip City there. Uh, it, and it definitely showed off his vertical. You know, he, he grabbed the ball. You know, I took the ball from the Nerf basket from 11 feet, came down and dunked it. And he did a uh, a nice dunk where he honored Trace McGrady and, and replicated the dunk from the 2000 dunk contest. And at the end, did the kiss the rim. And I thought, you know, all credit to Anthony Simons. He did a great job. Didn't miss a dunk, you know. Definitely displayed his high uh, ability. Obi Toppin was pretty creative with uh, his few dunks that he had. Definitely jumped over his dad and Julius Randle. But a lot of people thought that the, ref, uh, the judges, Dominique Wilkins and Spud Webb, were too hard on Cassius Stanley. That he, the opening dunk, he had the best dunk of the competition. And not sure if the judges were leaving room for error or thought they may see better dunks, but they gave him a really low score. Yeah. And then gave Obi Toppin a high score for kind of a similar dunk but without with less of difficulty how did you feel about that Bob during the dunk contest oh yeah I I thought he had a great first dunk and I'm wondering if that kind of played in his head because he was going behind and it seemed like he couldn't connect on a very complicated one he did a simple one so he didn't score a zero Um, again I think these three athletes they put themselves on the line I think they're worried about social media ridicule if they fail or at least you know maybe it's perceived they fail I I think uh, just trying to entertain the fans and trying to grow the dunk contest. Um, that, to me, they always have my respect. But I do agree that it just seemed, and I'm sure our listeners think the same thing, that was kind of 
punitive on him. I mean, he's he's a shorter guy. I mean, him and uh, Simons are not really tall. Topin is, though Topin's pretty graceful when he does it. Uh, so that's, I think, a little bit of a disadvantage. So you have to kind of weigh that in. But, yeah, I think he was behind the eight ball, and that kind of affected him on that second one. Absolutely. And Bob, going into the uh, second half of the season, of course, uh, the news that broke late on Sunday, uh, kind of during the All-Star weekend, is that and it was to be expected that Blake Griffin, former uh, multiple-time All-Star and All-NBA team performer, uh, was bought out by the Detroit Pistons. And shortly after that, he went ahead and signed uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, a lot of mixed reaction from uh, experts amongst in the NBA and also amongst uh, TV and radio. How do you think his fit or how do you think his game will fit in more so with the Brooklyn Nets? How will he be able to add on to what they're doing so far? I think he gives them some depth. I don't know if you necessarily – want him to start i mean i i still think unfortunately his knees are kind of shot and i i he, the good thing is he's developed his skill game um i did watch him in detroit i, I went on a basketball trip where i saw them face the bulls and the warriors back in mm. the 18 19 season he played he played very well those games i think he was healthier um that year and i mean he can shoot very well and you know he he does have some post moves but just his game was so much predicated on athleticism and uh, I don't think he's going to give you like star stuff, but he can be a very solid guy on the bench and give you some height. Uh, They need that. And maybe they're going to say, Hey, we want you to play uh, good defense and try to be a role man if you can, because we can have you and um, Andre Drummond, well, I, well, they don't have Drummond. Sorry. I mean, you you can have um, DeAndre Jordan. See, that, that's what I meant. Uh, to be be the role guys. Give us some verticality. I mean, that's probably what they're going to do. Um, I do think it's a good move because they are really hoping that if KD is healthy, I mean, they could really win this thing. Like, what are your thoughts on this? I think Griffin, as you mentioned, to the piggyback, what you said, uh, his skill set. Yes, his athleticism has diminished slightly. And I, I don't think he's as dis- diminished as people think. Uh, yes, he may not be the, you know, dunk champion, Blake Griffin anymore. But kind of like we see in his former teammate, DeAndre Jordan, you see every other night that DeAndre Jordan is able to still, as you mentioned, play that pick and roll game with Harden or Kyrie, able to go up and catch lobs. And I think, his, like you said, his skill set, Bob, overall will still help them if he can cut down on the threes. So he's not being asked to do as much as he was in Detroit. He was taking about seven threes a game and only making two and a half, Mm. which is still, you know, good. He's making not a percentage wise. He's still made over like 150 threes. But what I'm saying is that at a lower volume, if he can make, you know, two out of four or two out of five a game in shorter minutes and no, you know, Blake's not a defensive player or stopper, but I think his ability to score down low, his post moves and, like you mentioned, in 2019, he was an all-star and averaged five and a half assists. So the passing is not going to go away. He can still be another facilitator on the floor and be able to definitely have open shots for Joe Harris and uh, Jeff Green and the, some of the other role players as well if he's in that second unit. Um, and definitely, like I said, I don't think he'll be a star, but it's going to be interesting to see. I, 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 I was kind of teasing some of our other listeners and our other uh friends in the podcast what I said I, I bet he catches the alley the first play <laughs> that he comes out from Harden and, and 
because I think it's a, you know it's a bad take when people say oh, he's washed or his legs are gone. Yeah, he's less athletic, but so is DeAndre Jordan. He still gets a ton of dunks. So oh yeah, I, I look forward to seeing Blake Griffin and, and just like James Harden with those stars around him with other great players, and he knows he's on a team that has a, a purpose. Not, no disrespect to the Detroit Pistons organization, but they're not really playing for anything at the moment. They're on a rebuild stage, and I don't think professionally Blake Griffin won any part of that. So I think he kind of quietly uh, stopped asserting himself as much as he could, so to speak. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Bob, another huge yeah, another huge name that we have uh, coming up here for our listeners, of course, people keep hearing a lot of rumors about uh, former NBA champion Kyle Lowry and the, the Toronto Raptors. It seems like we keep getting indirect messages, whether it's from his camp or from other teams. Uh, this morning it was saying that Kyle Lowry said he expected to get traded. Not sure if that came directly from him or from his camp, but it looks like, again, of course, the uh, familiar teams that he may go to are the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, the Miami Heat, and, of course, either of the Los Angeles Clippers. How do you think that would affect the balance of power, like in the in the West where Kawhi and Paul George have needed a point guard or if he ends up going home to Philadelphia? Well, I think the the last two teams you mentioned were probably the best fits for him. I, I mean, he could still do Miami. They're probably worried that uh, Drogic doesn't look that good this year. Um, you know, maybe age is showing a little bit on that player, even though he played fantastic the last couple of years. But Lowry, if you look at the Clippers, they, they don't have any great passing. Like, I do think Kawhi and Paul George are above average passers, but they don't have somebody who could – do that for such long stretches. And since they lean so heavily on those guys to be great on both ends of the floor, if they're doing the passing game too, um, I think that's taking too much energy on these guys. And I think that's why sometimes they wore out at the end of games. So if he'd be a force multiplier, besides being somebody who can score, uh, just being a great passer, not just above average, that, that, that will free up those two guys besides getting easy buckets. Because I do think it's just a lot of stress on them if they have to do that. I think that's a terrific point, Bob, as well. And I think I know it's to the, to the cringe that a lot of our, our Raptors friends and uh, fans, uh, friends on social media that they would hate to see another Raptor go to the Clippers. Of course, they already have Kawhi and Serge Ibaka there uh, from their former team. Uh, I mean, it looks like they may be adding another if he goes there. But, of course, that familiarity uh, with some of his former teammates uh, there as well. Um, and of course, I know in Philadelphia, it seems like they have more assets to to send to Toronto. Maybe a couple of some of those first round picks that they have available. Also, maybe one of the younger guards and Tyrese Maxey. He's had a, a decent uh, first season, half a season, and Shake Milton. So it looks like maybe Philadelphia has more quality players to give Toronto to help them keep going in the future. Uh, Miami, like you mentioned, would definitely be a good spot with. Rogers kind of on the men. You got Tyler Hero and our favorite Kendrick Nunn, who should have probably been named to the Futures game again. He's playing very well after a slow start. And I think they're going to be rolling to the Miami Heat. Uh, shout out to our friend uh, uh, on Facebook as well. Facebook and the uh, the Heat fans on Twitter is that Jimmy Butler has come back healthy now and bam out of bio. So they should also look for the Heat to have a, a strong push as well. Another big name free agent, Bob, that has definitely drawn a lot of attention. We're kind of just waiting for him to possibly be bought out is the big fella, Andre Drummond in Cleveland. 
And it's kind of interesting, Bob. I know outside of, I keep hearing Brooklyn again is a is a highly possibility. Again, of course, if Cleveland takes the bulk of that $28 million, Brooklyn has the money to buy him out for, at $1 or $2 million. Uh, Brooklyn has waived their other players that want a 10-day contract. I think it was Amon Shumpert and uh, a few other players that were on 10 days. They let go so they could sign Griffin and possibly Drummond. But what, what do you think, Bob? I, I keep hearing L.A. is a fit for Drummond. Another outside candidate, uh, one of your favorite players, is the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they feel that Drummond would possibly be a great plug into the middle there for them to help Kristaps Porzingis be able to roam the perimeter and shoot threes. And, of course, another big target for Tim Hardaway and Luka Doncic to find in the middle. Yeah, you know, Drummond would be great there. And another place would actually be Boston because uh, Daniel, yes, Tice yes. Is, Daniel Tice is a good player. And I think he's a good player on a solid playoff team. But to get to the next level – I think you need more size, and I know that's been one of the weaknesses from Boston. I mean, that's that's, that's what I see. Sometimes they get in trouble because um, they're not getting enough scoring from there, and sometimes defense can be shaky, especially if Tice gets in foul trouble. So um, I think either of those two teams, these are two teams that are trying to win the title, and these are two teams where he can have a role, especially, like you said, if he gets most of his buyout money. Um, the other teams can maybe uh, – pick up the difference and he's making about the same, but then he'd be in a better situation. And maybe if he plays well, he can get a two or three year contract. Um, he's probably not going to get the same money, but um, he could still probably get in that 10 to $15 million range, depending on how much they want to shell out. And that's a fantastic point you make too, Bob, uh, for our listeners here at Hoops Up and Down uh, with Bayjack and Brown. That's a great point because Danny Ainge also has the, a uh, trade exception from the Gordon Hayward deal uh, that he could use on Drummond if he needed to. But I know a lot of the Boston fans, you know, like you said, they like the combination of Daniel Tice and the Time Lord, as they call him, Robert Williams, uh, the young player who's really starting to come on well there in the middle. But that would definitely add another element. Drummond, a guy that can get 20 points, 20 rebounds, seems whenever he wants to. And then I think that in turn, that would strengthen their bench. Uh, you know, if they were able to move Tice and Robert Williams into that second unit, or if they want to Tice to stretch the floor, I know that'd be tough because they want a, a stretch floor, a stretch four on the floor. Mm. So even if they had Thompson and Robert Williams come off the bench with that second unit with Peyton Pritchard, uh, Aaron Neesmith, and uh, some of the other younger players, that would definitely strengthen them uh, along with the law firm, uh, Tatum and Brown, and hopefully <laughs> with the, uh, hopefully with the healthier second half for Kimber Walker, if he can kind of get himself right in a better health situation uh, that he could come back and play a little better. Uh, but one of, one of our questions we had on our, our Twitter and social media was for the fans, and I'll, I'll start in the uh, Western Conference, is that some of the teams that are just outside of the playoffs looking in, of course, you know, we had some disappointments in the first half. Uh, some teams did not perform as well as we thought, but our, our question was simply is that, certain teams that who we would think might make a playoff push teams that are, you know, in that ninth seed in that 10th seed. Um, and that really consists looks like uh, for our audience at anchor.fm, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, the New Orleans Pelicans, some of these teams that have great superstars that are right outside of the playoffs to see who would be the best suited to make that playoff push or who would be the one to actually get into the playoffs. 
up. And I, I'll give you the list here for our audience. You guys can go on our Twitter account or go on uh, Facebook and answer the questions to see uh, who you guys think would be the team that would be able to make it, uh, who was already down a little bit further in the rankings there. Uh, Bob, do you think – is there any team that you think that you see making a run in the second half out of the Western Conference? Uh, I think Pelicans. Uh, Timberwolves and Rockets, they're out of the picture. Kings can never get sure. their act together. Thunder, I think SGA does great, but he's it's a one-man show. So right now the Grizzlies are 10. I think they could maintain that. Pelicans are 11. One team that might fall out are the Spurs because the Spurs lack st- star power. Um, unfortunately, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, I've always been a fan of his game. He's been hurt. Um, and I do like DeMar DeRozan, but I mean, he's just, he's a nice player, but he's not a star. Uh, I guess they have some good guard play, but it's not great. I mean, they're just a fundamental team. And I mean, the West is so close. It wouldn't be surprising if teams like the Pelicans get their act together or the Grizzlies get hot that to move up, maybe the Spurs kind of get bounced out, but the the Pels have too much talent. Uh, obviously Brandon Ingram could have been an all-star game in the all-star game like he was last year. He's actually playing better than last year. Uh, you know, they still got some good shooting. Um, they still have some good point guard play, even though they're trying to float Lonzo ball, like either he stays or they get maybe a desired long-term piece for him. But they have too good of a team, I think for being 15 and 21, but I do think they can course correct. Is there anybody that you think that might make a run? I think you might get some pushback there, Byron, from that statement. I think there's enough Spurs fans, <laughs> former Raptors fans, to to vouch for DeMar DeRozan being a definite star in the league. I think that he proved enough. But I'll leave that alone. I'm not going to give out your handle so they can attack you. But yeah, but in in the uh, but you you I think the one that you missed, Bob, were your Warriors because they're actually in the ninth seat at 19 and 18, and I believe with a uh, healthy you know Wiseman and I still think that they need to make a move. I'm not uh, – again, I'm not anti-Kelly Oubre, but if they're able to move him or either Andrew Wiggins' his big contract for another guard or maybe like a Victor Oladipo, I think that could really energize the Warriors and with the leadership of Draymond and Steph Curry, that could even help them get a little further up to the back to maybe that fourth or fifth seed where I think they can get to. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think that the – the, the Grizzlies have been bit by injuries with, uh, of course, they've missed Jaron Jackson Jr. all year. Uh, Justice Winslow is just now coming back, playing pretty well for them. The Pelicans, we'll see. It's been kind of a – they've picked it up defensively lately. I think they're buying into what Stan Van Gundy has given that young group. I still don't think Eric Bledsoe really meshes with them. Or Interesting to see. I know been a, there's been a lot of talk about the Pelicans trying to move J.J. Redick, Eric Bledsoe, maybe even – Lonzo Ball to get more time for uh, Nikhil Alexander and Kyra Lewis. So it'll be interesting to see if they if their roster looks even younger. But I think the Thunder, uh, Bob, they might actually come together. Uh, they have a younger squad. I know you mentioned SGA, who many people thought also could have been an all-star uh, with his outstanding play. I think with the veterans, Al Horford, uh, if Trevor Reza decides, decides to play, I think with Darius Baisley, uh, Lou Dort, who has been playing fantastic since his bubble run, and Isaiah Roby, the former Nebraska Cornhusker. Those, those young guys have been battling and playing well together. Mm. I think that they could surprise a lot of people defensively, also with Josh Jackson, if they come together and could actually 
make a run in the Western Conference. It's, it's going to be tough. Uh, and out east, Bob, of course, your Chicago Bulls, uh, they sit in the ninth seed, just 16 and 18, uh, one game back of the Toronto Raptors, who are in eighth of 17, 17 and 19. But, of course, you got the Indiana Pacers, uh, the very disappointing Atlanta Hawks, who sit in 11th at 16 and 20. And then the, the Washington Wizards, who are 14 and 20. How about out east? Do you see anybody stepping up amongst that group? Well, I do. Um, so right now the Bulls and the Pacers are at 9 and 10 where they have a shot at that play-in tournament. But, you know, it's quite possible that the Wizards make a move. They, I know they started very, very poorly, but it seems like Russ, Russell Wilson has gotten back in the groove. You, you were telling me earlier in the year you thought – You said Russell Wilson, Bob. Are you, oh, are you giving us a Woj bomb I'm, here? Are you, are you saying the Seahawks are going to trade Russell Wilson? <laughs> See, I, I got I – got, this... <laughs> I, I was thinking about quarterbacks. Russell, Russell you're thinking about You're thinking about the Bears getting Russell Wilson. No, no, I, I do think that, but I'm hoping and praying. But, you know, Russell Westbrook, the other the other W here, Westbrook, you know, has gotten more comfortable out there. And, you know, they've strung together some games. You know, they had a very disappointing loss, um, you know, a couple weeks ago to the that they shouldn't have against the Celtics. But the Celtics are a great team, I think, even though the record's not showing it right now. But the Wizards, you know, if they could outscore, and it's the Beal Russell, sh- well, I mean Westbrook show. I'm keep saying, you know, Wilson here, but um, yeah. with Westbrook, you know, I, I think they're so dynamic, and you know, we've had too many teams around 500 in the East. They could still make a run at this. And of course, Bob, I'll, I'll go ahead and follow your Russell Wilson lead. We, when we can give Russell Wilson a shout out, of course, he's uh, his sister. Fun fact for college hoops, Bob. Russell Wilson's sister is a player for the Stanford basketball team, and she's actually the uh, the conference's defensive player of the year. So we can definitely give a uh, a basketball reference to the great quarterback Russell Wilson. Uh, hopefully, they can end that saga soon. But uh, his sister Anna Wilson is a guard for the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, probably can finishing up her career soon. I think Bob in the um, in the East, though. I think that. And I'm, I'm predicating this on the health of the Atlanta Hawks. If they get uh, Bogdanovich back, if they get a healthy Gallinari, and they are able to have some of the shooting that Miyu and Kwame talked about, you know, before the season, that perimeter shooting, they could be uh, a very dangerous club. Of course, Clint Capella has been playing out of his mind, just grabbing rebounds and dunking on people left and right. And John Collins, of course, is looking to get paid this offseason. He's having a pretty good year as well in his contract year that the Hawks can definitely turn that around. I, I think your bulls, Bob, I think that, I think that like we've mentioned all along with their management, Matt Gentile, some of our former guests, and you have mentioned so great, gracefully is that uh, they're kind of figuring it out. I mean, with or without Lori Markin, uh, Otto Porter, I think they know that they can continue on without him. They've got great production from Thaddeus Young, the veteran. Uh, Kobe White has had good moments of scoring. I think they kind of realize now that, yeah, they may need a point guard. Uh, Kobe White might be your sixth man. Not sure if he can be your point guard, but he may be a better guy coming off the bench and giving you energy and points. Uh, and, of course, Wendell Carter, unfortunately, has been hurt on and off. So I think that it's a season of evaluation for your Bulls. And it might be, again, kind of trial by error, but enough experience maybe to get to the playoffs. Uh, because with Zach Levine 
you know, playing out of his mind, averaging 28 points a game. And uh, some of the other players, uh, Patrick Williams doing well, well in his rookie season, they could actually get into the eighth seed or, like you said, in that playing tournament and still be able to evaluate some key decisions in the future, whether they need to continue with Laurie Marketing and sign him to a max or let him go or, you know, definitely letting Otto Porter go and Del Valentine has added some nice minutes. Well, and I think what's going to happen, uh, and we, we talked about this uh, with, with our guest uh, from, from the Bulls podcast that, Matt, we we have, um, I think that Markinen's not coming back. He's not going to come back or he's going to have a modest contract because he hasn't delivered. I mean, he's been hurt a lot and then he's been too passive. He hasn't been assertive when he's in and too many cold spells offensively. You need him to get 20 some games to, to, I mean, 20 some points a game to merit a bit to build around. And I think they're getting tired of him. Uh, there's been some rumors. I've read some articles uh, that, you know, maybe they want to get Lonzo ball and, and flip him. I, I don't know how realistic it is, but him getting injured complicates that because a lot of teams are viewing him as injury prone. Um, I think they're going to move on from Otto Porter because he hasn't played. And I know some people, I think it uh, might have been Stacey King, but they're criticizing his work ethic where maybe he's out of shape and that's why he's, um, you know, not, you know, he's not eating right and that's preventing him from getting on the court. So, you know, not having good nutrition. So that's just lack of professionalism when he's getting paid uh, great money. So I think when you don't have those two guys and they're going to get a good draft pick and maybe they can get, um, maybe they could get a good free agent. You're going to start going in the right direction, especially with the experience they're gaining this year, because they're going to shed some guys that are not part of the plan. And I don't think Porter and Markin are. And that's a great point, Bob. And that kind of leads us into our transition into our closing, but I'll, I'll start with answering one of our uh, questions from one of the uh, audience from uh, Twitter. I'm sorry, I'm reading it through it. And he's asking about the potential of Andre Drummond coming to here in Chicago. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, with this tweet, I think, you know, of course, he's averaging 17 points, 13 rebounds a game. Definitely uh, is averaging a few blocks a game as well. And I, and I know that I did see a couple of different trade scenarios where the Bulls have a first round pick that they could trade or they could potentially uh, move the contracts of, like you say, marketing or uh, Fatty Young to get Andre Drummond. They don't have the luxury, as we spoke about with Danny Ainge, of having player exception uh but it looks like they could definitely send Otto porter and the bulls have a first round pick uh to give cleveland for him i think that would be enough i think that would be the perfect scenario just to you know for a player and then give them a, a protected pick i don't think they would want to go into the other scenarios uh, of course with lonzo ball and some other where they're giving up a lot of assets you know i, I know with the lonzo ball deal they want to i know another deal that they talked about andre drummond and Torian Prince coming over for Otto Porter and Lloyd Marketing. I don't think you really need uh, Torian Prince's skill set at this point because you have Patrick Williams, you have Thaddeus Young, you have enough forwards. So I don't think that's really needed as well. I think what they might do, um, Andre Drummond would be an interesting thing. I don't know if they want to trade a draft pick or a young player for him. They might gamble on the free agent market because – they could use somebody who could give them that verticality and a defensive presence in the post. They've been lacking it. Um, Wendell Carter gives it, but he hasn't been healthy on the floor. Drummond's been fairly healthy most of his career. So, so he has that dependability and that size, which 
I think would help Wendell and maybe he doesn't have to um, overexert himself on defense and uh, that that would help, you know, they're a good, they're a decent defensive team, but getting somebody like him, you'll get a scoring threat, but he's also a great defender. And Bob, I hate to interrupt our normal talk here and make us go over. I guess we're getting into the tabloids, the NBA. Uh, unfortunately in this culture of, uh, that we are in here in the world, I know we're in a, unfortunately a cancel culture and things of that nature. It looks like, unfortunately, if rumors are true, we've had a, uh, a slip up from, a Miami Heat player, Myers Leonard, uh, it looks like that he is on several recordings or several uh, tapings of Call of Duty using a racial slur. Uh, so fortunately, we know that he's been out injured for the season with an injury. Uh, Bob, boy, I know this is kind of out of the blue here, breaking news, not really breaking news. But what do you think about this, Bob? Are players still not really aware of, of their kind of in the moment of what they're doing or if they're on a live chat? or a podcast and that nature of any ways they can protect themselves against this type of uh, these things occurring. Of course, we saw uh, in my hometown, uh, coach Greg McDermott uh, over the weekend use a very bad analogy, which he immediately apologized for uh, about his players getting back to the plantation and staying on the plantation. And only he did serve a one game suspension during the uh, end of the season and will be ready for the biggest tournament. But I guess, Getting back to the point, Bob, is there anything that admires Leonard or any of the players can do uh, to be more mindful of their language and speech, uh, especially playing online gaming? Did uh, did Myers Leonard, did he use the N-word or something similar? Uh, yeah, that's what it looks like. Again, these are just – I don't have any reliable sources, folks. I'm getting this from Heat Twitter and NBA Twitter. So, of course, I'm sure, getting pointed from I'm just hearing about social now, media. But um, to my knowledge, I think he was one of the players who didn't – Neil, um, either trying to address um, some of the racial inequalities in our country. I do think it's very tone deaf. Um, I think sometimes maybe um, the, the athletes, maybe they think it's okay because they have uh, people of color, um, you know, as their teammates, or maybe they like certain aspects of, uh, you know, hip hop culture. But I mean, I, I think there's just a lack of awareness and empathy. I mean, I think people have to know just how hurtful that word is. And I know a lot of people want to even move away from that word in hip hop culture. Um, Absolutely. It is, do, do, you I, do you think it's, I mean, I know you're going to get some people that say it's an evasion of privacy or, but I mean, he is on a live gaming system yeah. using these words. Well, and the, the thing is, it's not being a good role model. And think about this, like we've had these extrajudicial killings or excessive force and you know the nba in the playoffs and he saw you know he went to the finals in the bubble uh you know people had sayings people were talking to the media or during um psas about just greater awareness and um about just systemic problems in our society and him saying that i, I don't think you know he's learning and you know that's going to hurt him in his nba career because i mean if, if he's saying this on on a gaming system you know these are probably his thoughts and um, you know, he's not going to mesh well with teammates. So, you know, the, it, it's it's just not a good thing, Theus. I, I don't know what else to tell uh, you and our audience. Absolutely. I think you're 100% correct there, Bob. And we again want to thank the listeners for listening and our audience today on anchor.fm on, on a formerly of Basic and Brown Hoops Up and Down podcast. I think we've decided to go with Hoops uh, Hoops Up and Down uh, podcast with Basic and Brown, uh, the, new, the new verbiage or wording. So, folks, we want to thank you for joining us for episode number 40. And, Bob, do you have anything for our listeners in closing? 
you know, we're going to have uh, the tournament come up. So there's going to be a lot of tournament uh, games coming up, you know, for the uh, conferences. And they're going to go to the NCAA. Uh, you got some great players like Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley, players that Dan O'Brien mentioned in earlier podcasts. Um, I've seen some of their uh, highlights. Fantastic players. And uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga and um, I would say Michigan, those teams look very good. Baylor. Those might be some of your favorites if you guys are trying to do some brackets. So you might want to have those teams go pretty far if you're trying to win some money. I think, it, Bob, it might be interesting, too, on that note, that some of the traditional powerhouses may not make the tournament. My Duke Blue Devils, who are 11-11, uh, Michigan State, North Carolina, uh, Kentucky, definitely. Some of these schools are struggling, so it may be a different type of a tournament where you don't see some of the uh, traditional names make the tournament as well. Definitely. I mean, it's going to be, you're going to have some star players in. And if you're tired of some of the blue bloods, you know, maybe some mid majors or uh, teams like I, I know Georgia and Alabama are playing well in the SEC, you know, maybe they got a shot to do something. And that is very true. So folks, again, we thank you for listening to episode 40 of only Bajic and Brown hoops up and down podcast. I guess now we're going to go with hoops up and down podcast with Bajic and Brown. And we look forward to uh, seeing you next time and, and joining us for the next episode. Make sure you go to uh, our Twitter handle, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Bajic and Brown. Answer the poll questions and even come up with some of your own. And we'll put them up, post them, and see what we get. Thank you so much, folks. Have a great day.